I appreciate him not making a big show because I tell you what, the hardest thing to do is to not pay any attention to your introduction. <laughs> it is an honor to be here, and uh, he, he's got a real Ph.D. Mine just means piled higher and deeper. <laughs> You'll understand that down the road. But anyhow, uh, it's, it, he and I do things like discuss the case of a, an, uh, uh, an Ammonite noun uh, in a sentence and do things that other people find completely absurd. And you say, why? Why not? Somebody has to do it. If we don't, the liberals are going to do it, and they're going to tell you your Bible can't be trusted. And his whole doctoral dissertation simply in one sentence is, you can trust your Bible. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. Psalm 119, uh, back years ago when I taught in Christian school, every morning I read one of the Psalms. And I could, I could hear the chatter in the classroom as we were approaching Psalm 119, and it was, he'll never get through this one. You can read Psalm 119 in 8 minutes and 13 seconds if you don't breathe. <laughs> but I want to preach on Psalm 119 this morning because, uh, to me, it is the psalm of the word. And it is a great honor to be able to preach here this morning. Uh, you see I have the stool behind me. I want to show you something. You can't tell whether I'm sitting or standing. Uh, the first time my stepmother met me, I drove up in the car, and she was waiting for me to stand up when she realized I already was. <laughs> I have 22-inch inseams. I bought this suit. I had to take it back three times. They would not shorten it because they didn't believe anybody could have legs this short. If my legs were proportional to the rest of my body, I'd be six foot five. But anyway, it's good to be here, good to meet some old friends. And uh, I shouldn't say old friends. I should say uh, friends from uh, last time. Uh, I said something about old friends. Friends one time almost got hung, so I quit saying that. Anyway, now I are one, so I can say whatever I want. One of the great things about getting older, less and less peer pressure every year. <laughs> you can get away with it. I'll be reading out of the King James Bible. If your Bible varies a little bit from it, I checked it. There was only one word of significance that I saw differently. I say this, and I say this everywhere I go. If you don't use the same Bible I do, I do hope that you believe that the Bible you hold in your hand is the very words of God, because you're basing your eternal destiny on it. And you ought to have the full confidence that this is what God has said. Psalm 119 is one of the most unusual books in or chapters in the Bible. It is made up of eight uh, groups of eight verses, uh, 22 of them, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each verse in each section starts with the letter, which is at the head of that, that group in your Bible. Uh, I don't know for sure. I didn't check the ESV to see if it still does that or not. Uh, but, but each verse, the first eight verses start with Aleph and then Bet and then Gimel and Delet and on down through the Hebrew alphabet. 
I just want to take the first eight verses this morning because I find that God uses synonyms. You know what a synonym is? Remember that from seventh grade English? Uh, words that mean almost the same thing. Remember when you used to watch the weather forecast and they would say it's going to rain this afternoon or it's going to snow this afternoon or it's going to sleet this afternoon or it's going to it's going to uh, freezing rain tomorrow. Now it's just a, pre- a precipitation event. They don't have the courage to tell you what it's going to do. They just know something's going to fall out of the sky. God was careful in the words that he used. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, As silver tried seven times in a furnace on earth. You know, when you make silver, especially in the old days, they would take silver ore and they would melt it up until it it was completely liquid. They would then scoop the, the scum off the top and they'd let it cool down. They would heat it up again. Uh, They would scrape the slag the second time, let it cool down. They would heat it up again. They would scrape the slag, let it cool down until the finer could see his reflection in the molten silver. God said his word, every word of the Bible that you hold in your hand was tried seven times to make sure it was exactly what God wanted it to say. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for uh, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. God said, I, I gave you the Bible for a reason. All scripture, all written scripture. I know uh, some folks like to say, well, Jesus is the word of God. He is. He's the living word, but this is the written word. And the promise of God about the word is the written word. You and I have a book that has now stood since 2500 B.C. when Job was first written. And has continued now for over 4,500 years to come across the millennia, come across three continents, come across four languages, until it is in our hands today as preserved and perfect as the day it was first written. What an amazing book. I have a a Jewish friend. When I graduated high school, he and I went to San Francisco together, and uh, we came back three weeks later. There wasn't anything out there. wasn't back home. I found out that misery, young people, was not geographical. It didn't matter where I was. I was just as miserable at home as I was in San Francisco because the misery was on the inside, not on the outside. I had some serious missing parts that had to be filled by the Lord Jesus. And when I finally trusted him, that was all taken care of. But I went to San Francisco with him, and I didn't talk to him for over 50 years. We drifted our different directions. And I was sitting in a meeting not long ago. I was chairing the meeting. All of a sudden, my phone rang, and I answered it and was out. We started talking. I said, I can't talk right now. I'm in in a meeting. And he just kept talking. So anyhow, I got done, and uh, we talked later on. And I said to him, Al, you know... When we went to San Francisco 50 years ago, and we were sitting there looking out the window at the building across the street and down at the alley between watching some kid eating out of a dumpster, 
I said, there's something better to life than this. And I wasn't saved back then, but I knew this, that, that there was something about Israel and something about this book that I didn't understand back then, but I knew it was real because I knew my mom and dad, you couldn't shake them, you couldn't break them. My older sister tried, she failed. I tried, I failed. Finally, I gave up and got saved, and I understood then what it was all about. I want to talk about this book this morning from Psalm 119. Now, the synonyms of Psalm 119 for the Word of God are synonyms that belong to the highway. If I was talking about sin this morning, I would tell you the synonyms of sin, transgression, trespass, iniquity, uh, uh, ungodliness, they belong to the archery course. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Trespass, transgress, iniquity, every one of them has to do with archery and a target. Psalm 119, every word that God uses to describe his word has to do with a highway trip. And I want to share that with you this morning. Father, would you bless your word? Father, you know these folks better than I know them. You know what each one of us needs. And Father, I pray that before we go home today, we'll hear the word that you have for us. Lord, help us not to look to either side, but to ourselves. And to hear your word. You worked hard. Cost men and women their lives. To give us this book. Help us never to treat it lightly. But to hear it as the very words of God. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. I remember when Mr. Obama was elected president of the United States. And I do believe he was the president of the United States. I'm not a denier. I remember getting his book, The Audacity of Hope, and I read it, and I said, this isn't him. I don't know who wrote this, what ghostwriter helped him, this isn't him. And then I got the book, Dreams of My Father, and I said, this is him. You could hear his voice in every word of that book. I remember getting George Bush Jr.'s book, and you could hear his voice in every word of the book. I can hear the voice of God in every word of this book that you and I hold in front of us. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. That's the first word for the Bible in Psalm 119. Uh, God said it is the way. Before I came up here yesterday afternoon, I had to decide how I was going to come. Uh, We used to have these things, kids may never have seen one, called a map. (laughs) You you remember maps and you, you looked and you saw lines everywhere and numbers and you tried to figure out. uh, How many can remember before the interstates? Yeah, a handful of us. Remember when a route was only the number they hung on a sign? It had nothing to do. They didn't make a road and call it Interstate 93. Uh, They said, how are we going to get from here to Atlantic City? Well, if you go down three blocks and turn left, and they'd put a sign there. And and then you go go another mile or two and turn right, and then you'd have the Burma Shave commercials along the way. Uh, But you had to decide how you were going to go. When I uh, drove across the country to Oregon, 
put my feet in the Atlantic Ocean, drove all the way across, put my feet in the Pacific. I got out in Wyoming, and I met a, a state legislator. And I said to him, man, I do not want to drive all the way across this country on a stupid interstate. I want to see what this country looks like. I said, would you tell me how you would go if you and your wife were out for an afternoon taking a ride? And he sent me down through the desert. It was some of the most beautiful territory I'd ever seen. Now, folks, if you've never driven across America, this is a great place. I don't care what all the critics of America say. This is one wonderful, beautiful country God has given to us. And if somebody tells you, we don't have freedom anymore, go somewhere else and tell me about that. America, with all her warts and blemishes, is still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. So how do you go where you're going? God said his word is the way. You know, if I go someplace, I may want to go the quickest way. When I go home today, I'll do my best to go the quickest way. Now, the Patriots are playing this afternoon. There may not be a quickest way for me. I live seven minutes from the stadium. Yeah. And uh, I remember flying in one time from Dallas with my daughter, and as we were coming over, Interstate 90 was bumper to bumper as far as you could see. And then we could see Interstate 95, and it was bumper to bumper. And I said, what in the world is going on down there? Oh, no, it's a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> we rode the train home. How do you want to go to where you're going? Do you want to go the fastest route? Do you want to go the scenic route? Do you want to go the, the, the smoothest route? I don't know about you, I will drive a mile out of my way to avoid a traffic light and a stop sign. I, if I'm in traffic that's dead stopped, I, will, I would rather drive five miles an hour down a country lane than sit there and look at the back bumper of the car in front of me. So how do you want to go? You know, there's a lot of ways to get through life. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. The end thereof are the ways of death. God said, uh, you can take a lot of different pathways in life. But there's only one that leads the way you want to go. And, and the way you used to read a map, I started talking about a map a minute ago, but the way you used to read a map was you decided where you wanted to go, and then you looked at all the places in between. And you made your decision on how to get there. You know, too many folks have started through life and they've never decided where they want to end up. Maybe you're here today and you've never been born of God. If something were to happen to you before you went home today, you're not sure that you'd go to heaven. But you'd like to know you were sure. That's why you came to church this morning. We'd love to take a Bible and show you. I'm not going to preach the whole sermon on how to go to heaven. But the Bible said God commended his love toward us, you and me, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Everything I owed God, he paid. And all he asks me is trust him. There's a way. The Bible says uh, the way of the transgressor shall cease. I'm glad I'm not going that way anymore. I was going that way for a long time, all of 18 years, the 18 longest years of my life. 
You know, there were things that happened to me between the time I was 14 years old and 18 years old that have dominated my life ever since. You young people are wise if you, if you find the right way and stay away from that mess. The way. Second word, who walk in the law of the Lord. Who walk in the law of the Lord. I've had a driver's license in Pennsylvania, and because I had one there, every other state will just give you one. You ha- I got one in, in Massachusetts. Do you know what the test for a uh, driver's license in Massachusetts was when I moved there? Can you write a check for $75.78? I moved to Virginia. I got a driver's license there. I put my... New Jersey driver's license down on the table. The man walked away. I put it back in my pocket. Uh, he had, he gave me my Virginia license. I had an active license in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia. Could have gone to jail if I'd have known it at the time. Became convenient when I got a ticket out in Wyoming. I just used one that was going to die anyway. <laughs> but God said, the law. That's the rules of the road. That's the rules of the road. In America, we drive on the right side of the road. In America, if you see a white line, that means if you go to the to the right of that line, it's going to get rough. We have a yellow line, and if you cross the yellow lines, it's really going to get rough. We have rules of the road. We, we know what to do before we even get... You don't need a, a, a sign that says uh, no passing in the, in the breakdown lane unless you live in Massachusetts. <laughs> first, first time I drove to the school that Eric and his sisters went to, I'm getting ready to make a right turn. I turn on my turn signal, and I start... All of a sudden, horns are blowing people. I did not know that when... Uh, Massachusetts put the in, interstates in. They stole all the money. And uh, the the highway department came in and said, we paid for four lanes. Where's our fourth lane? They said right there, and they called it the breakdown lane. And, and rush hour in Massachusetts, you'd run the breakdown lane. If you break down, you get as far off the road as you can, or you're going to be in trouble. But the rules of the road in most states are you don't drive down the road in the breakdown lane. Uh, if if a car stopped in front of you, you don't whip around them and jump in. And there's rules of the road that keep us all safe. That's the word law. That that that's the 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 word that God used here. He said, "Now look, when you're driving, there's some rules of the road. There's some rules of the road. We talk. I've, I've several songs following Jesus." He knows where he's going. That's the best place. Ever get caught in the fog? You find something's got red lights going the same direction you go, and you follow them until they get in their driveway. The law. The law. You know, the law wasn't given to make us miserable. God gave his law because it keeps us safe. God gave his law because it makes the trip happier. God gave his law 
to protect us day and night. Being a child of God is not a bag of tools and a set of rules. There are too many folks out there, and I know my son doesn't believe this, but there's too many folks out there that hand out a list. When you're happy, read these verses. When you're depressed, read these verses. When you're, when you're not sure, read these verses. Now, there are verses you ought to read when you're in those conditions, but that's not the way being a Christian works because God's not a computer. God's a person who loves you. He's a holy person. He's an omnipotent person. He's an omniscient person. He sees way down the road farther than you and I can even begin to imagine. And he loves us. And if you just talk to him and then listen when he talks back to you in his word, he'll show you how to go. He'll teach you the rules of the road. Keep yourself pure and down the road you won't have to get straightened out again. You know, we, we applaud. It's an amazing thing to me. We applaud people who ruin their lives and then go to rehab and get them fixed. Now, I'm glad that folks get their lives fixed, but I'd much rather applaud folks who never got in trouble in the first place. Makes more sense. Maybe if we lifted those people up, we wouldn't watch generation after generation of young people destroy their lives. The law. Verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. They keep his testimonies. You know, you're driving down the road, you see the brown signs. Those brown signs tell you what's out there that's good. The brown signs don't tell you anything ugly. They tell you there's a state park, there's a federal park, there's a, a scenic view, there's, there's something good out there. God's testimonies are good things. He only doeth wondrous things. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We have his testimonies. As God tells us, he, he, he speaks to us. If you're listening, if you're just looking for a book on religion, look in the wrong place. But if you want to hear God tell you what it's going to be like, those brown signs on the highway. You don't get tickets for going to the brown places on the highway. Those brown signs aren't laws. Those brown signs are if you want to see America, here's a place to stop and you'll be able to see it. I got to keep going. The clock moves whether I do or not. Verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. We've talked about the ways already. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts continually. The precepts are the guardrails. Now, guardrails look pretty, don't they? And and uh, you don't want to meet a guardrail. You want to be glad that the guardrail's there. I drove through the mountains in Oregon. And you look down a thousand feet, and there's no guardrail. 
I drove down to Lynchburg, Virginia, and I I did one road. I don't even remember what it was. Hairpin turns. I was scared to death. I found another way that I didn't have to go that way ever again. But guardrails are there to keep us on the road if you fall asleep. Guardrails are there to keep you on the road if you get sliding on the ice. Guardrails aren't fun things to meet. They usually cost a few dollars to fix them. I remember going around the corner. Eric would know where I'm talking about right there in Hazen. But I went around the corner one day. And as I came around the corner, there lay one guy in the middle of the street with his head on the yellow lines and another guy in the middle of the lane getting up with all kinds of things hanging out. And I am not a doctor, and I don't like things hanging out. And he was going to the guy on the center of the the road who had a broken neck. He was already dead. And this guy was not in much good shape. They had been riding the motorcycle, and they hit the end of the guardrail and flew about 75 feet through the air and splattered on the highway. And I was the only one there. I couldn't leave. And cars came both directions, and I was stuck in the middle until a policeman came, and he got everything squared away. Blood was running from the yellow lines down to the sides of the road, coagulating on the way. When I got home, my wife had made spaghetti. I said, put a lid on it. I'm out of here. I'm going. I'm not stopping. Guardrails are there to keep us in the road when everything else falls out. God's precepts. God said, look, I'm telling you. Don't do this. It's going to make a mess. You're going to ruin your life. You're going to destroy yourself. You're going to end up with a life that's not worth living trying to put the pieces back together. Precepts. Precepts. They're like the yellow, the white line on the edge of the road that says, Hitherto shall you go and no further. I am so thankful one of the things they've done. I don't always appreciate police. And I don't always appreciate government. But when they started cutting those grooves on the side of the road where as you're falling asleep, you wake up, thank the Lord for that. We were coming home from Rosaka, Georgia one time, and uh, we left down there at 11 o'clock at night. And we're driving home, and, and the sky got that slate gray color. Worst time of the day to drive. I don't even know what interstate I was driving on. But as I was driving, all of a sudden, I heard a tractor-trailer blow his horn as I crossed three lanes of traffic, sound asleep, and down over the side of a mountain. Water's flying everywhere. I figured we're in a swamp. I'm waiting for a water moccasin to get out and bite me. I mean, it was, it was a mess. State police officer came down. He said, son, this motel right there, you're going to be spending the night Yes, sir. How fortunate I was. But there's no guardrail kept me on the road that night. I, I could have, if, if, fortunately, the other side was about a half mile away. I could have gone straight into oncoming traffic. Thank God for guardrails, the precepts of God. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. To keep 
thy statutes. Those are speed limits. Those are speed limits. You know, the Autobahn has no speed limits. You can go as fast as you want to go on the Autobahn, as long as you don't have an accident. Some people think the interstates in America are the Autobahn. Now, I'm that little old man that makes everybody else nuts. I go 63 miles an hour. I, I spun out one time at 65 mile an hour. Uh, it, I got caught a hydroplane crosswind, and my car is bouncing off guardrails. I said, never again. There is nothing in the world important enough for me to try that stunt again. 63 miles an hour down the road I go. I get passed sometimes by people that are going so fast, I think my car stalled, and I get out to see what I... <laughs> Those speed limits are there not to keep you safe. They're there to keep me safe. You know, you, you say, well, preacher, I can drive 85 mile an hour, and I can be completely safe. Yeah, you can as long as I'm not in front of you. <laughs> but the speed limits are there to keep the most of us safe as we're driving down the road. God said, I've given you some statutes. Statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto thy commandments. My kids were learning to drive. Now, I learned to drive in Pennsylvania. I learned to drive in rural Pennsylvania. A traffic jam was when a tractor ran into a manure spreader. My kids had learned to drive. We'd drive down the road. I would say we turn from our lane to our lane. No 45-degree turn. You make a 90-degree turn from our lane to our lane. When we pass someone, we do not pull back in till we can see both headlights in our rearview mirror. And I had a bunch of sayings that I constantly, over and over and over and over again, I repeated. It's funny, if I start talking about it in my church, my daughter, who's my pianist, will just chuckle from the back because it happened so often that she said, Dad, I'm 50 years old. I still hear your voice coming over the back. Thank God. Thank God. I've never had to go to the hospital get any of my kids from a car accident. I am so thankful. God has been so gracious and kind to me. But the commandments are God's voice in my ear. They're not ten suggestions. Thou shalt not kill unless you don't like the other guy. I am the Lord thy God. I, the Lord thy God... I am a jealous God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He doesn't mean I want to be number one. He means I want to be the only one. When I look at you and you stand in front of me, I don't want to see any other gods out there. I'm your God. I'm a jealous God. Get used to the idea. You want to keep your life in, in, in good working order? Hear the commandments of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy... Hey, you do that, you, you, you avoid an awful lot of trouble. You say, what about your family? If you love God, you'll love your family. It's never an either-or with God. You don't have to choose the lesser of two evils. It's always two goods if God said it. 
I get I get people saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had to sin a little bit. No, you didn't. Well, how was I going to make it? Well, if you'd have given God a half a chance, he'd have showed you. But you were in too much of a hurry. You thought you knew better than God. Uh, you say, but the taxes were due tomorrow morning. Well, you should have thought about that six months ago. That's like these football teams that whine and cry and moan about a bad referee's decision in the last two minutes. My coach, Bobby Root, years ago, you don't know him, wouldn't know his name, he never played professional sports, but Bobby Root, if we lost a game, and I played on the number 10 school in the state of Pennsylvania and the number 2 school in the state of Pennsylvania out of 340-some football teams, Bobby Root's statement would be, we should have been ahead enough that that bad call didn't matter. I'm so sick and tired of these football coaches that play for the last three minutes of the game. Oh, it's exciting. They won by a, they won by a field goal. I don't want to see them win by a field goal. I want to win, see them win 72 to nothing. That's a good game. My soul. The commandments of God. They're usually pretty practical. They're usually the words you can hear in your head as you're listening to God. I'll praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Years ago, when you drove from New Jersey into Pennsylvania, we lived right on the border. There was a great big sign there. And it might as well have said, pick your penalty. Because it said, speed limit 65. Fine for 68. Fine for 72. Fine for, and I mean it went right down the list and told you exactly how much you were going to pay. You can speed in this state if you want to. It's just like life. You have the steering wheel. You have the gas pedal. You have the brake pedal. God lets you make decisions. But there's usually a penalty when you do something really stupid. And those are the judgments. The judgments are if you steal, you pay back four times. You say, preacher, what happens if you don't pay back four times? God said you become a slave. Well, what if you're not a good slave? God said then take them out and stone them. You say, for stealing? Yeah, for stealing. What about an incorrigible son who raises his hand to his father or his mother? I know there's not a, not a child in this church would ever think about doing that. Answer back, refuse to obey. God said bring them to the, to the, to the town gate and stone them. You say, man, if we did it God's way, there wouldn't be many kids left. No, if we did it God's way, it would only take one or two. The rest would learn. You know, that, that Tony Robbins guy, you know, he never had a successful business till he learned how to tell other people to have successful businesses. Biggest phony there is. You know what they have found is the most motivating thing you can do if you own a company? Fire the least productive 10%. The other 90 will do much better after that. Mr. Musk is trying that, except he got 90 instead of 10 the judgments. God said, look, pick your penalty. The way of the transgressor is hard. 
God said, look, you, you want to keep fighting me? You're making your own trouble. We, we live in a generation where the psychobabble industry is making billions of dollars trying to make guilty people not feel guilty. You're supposed to feel guilty when you sin. The solution to guilt is not blaming your mom and dad. It is 13 words. I am wrong. I have sinned. What can I do to fix it? If you could get people to make those 13 words, you could heal most marriages in America. You could solve most parent-children problems in America. You could solve problems in schools and industries all across America because once guilt is out of the way, People are free to live. And our problem today is we're running around in a guilt-ridden society. I'm not going to get off on it. It's one of my favorite subjects. I am not woke. I ain't waked up in 20 years, and I ain't planning on doing it now. I have normal English pronouns. You say, preacher, I'm offended. Oh, well. You say, But preacher, this is the 21st century. Suddenly, after 6,000 years of human history, did God suddenly forget what he's doing? I don't think so. I don't want to get off on that, though I've already started down that road. They are finding that when they're doing these child mutilation surgeries, and that's what they are, that by the time the children turn 20, They are riddled, just riddled with self-doubt and guilt. You want to do something as an adult when your brain is formed, that's between you and God. You worry about that. But I think it is child abuse to see what we're doing to our children in America today. We're paying for that. You say, well, you shouldn't feel guilty. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. You know what happened? If, If... you and I die, and a hundred years from now Jesus hadn't come back yet, and they dig up my carcass, they're going to look at my bones and say he was a man. And if they dig up one of my daughters, they're going to say she was a woman. Because you can't change what God made you. You may not like it, and I may, I, if I'm offending somebody, I'm not sorry. You may not like it, but you can't change what God has done. And you will never be happier till you put your life in the direction God wants it to go. I need to, I need to close. It's getting late. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. David said, God, when I've kept your way, and I've kept your precepts, and I've kept your statutes, and I've walked according to your law, and I've walked in the way, all the other things he said God please don't ever forget me you know what we have the promise of God lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world God said look can two walk together except they be agreed can't go two different directions at once but if you and I go God's direction we find out that it's a whole lot easier He usually pays the bills. You know, I've been around the world. I've never paid for any of it. Been to Israel, been to to Jordan, been to Iraq, been to England, been to uh, 
Where else I've been? Romania. Never had to pay for any of it. Canada, foreign country. Never had to pay for any of that. God took me where he wanted me to go. I remember, and I'm, I'm going to close with this story. I may have told you before. I remember as a kid, my dad would drag every guest preacher and missionary home that came to our local church. Jack Van Impey and Rexella ate at our dining room table. Uh, he brought home missionaries. Uh, he had one missionary there, had an anaconda skin and a lion skin. My dad was trying to get one of the two, if not both of them, out of them for hours. We had a we had a gospel prestidigitator. He wouldn't call himself a magi- magician, but we had a gospel prestidigitator. Uh, he was an escape illusionist, and his equipment got loose, had my dad tighten it up. Didn't realize my dad tightened up where he had the lock pick. Yeah, and the assistant, Lazarus, come forth. No Lazarus. <laughs> About the fourth time, he finally pried it open. But I heard missionaries tell stories of the wonderful things God did in their lives. And I remember as an eight-year-old kid sitting on the hillside where I grew up, wondering, would God ever do that for me? And you know what? 62 years later, I can tell you, yes, he would. David, the psalmist, said, Lord, I want to walk in your way. I want to walk according to your law. I want to walk in your statutes. I want to keep your precepts. I want to do your commandments. Lord, I want you to road, write the road map for my life. Again, maybe you're here today. You've never trusted Christ as Savior. None of the rest of it means anything until you've gotten saved. Because you can, you can take the journey... Uh, all over the place. But if you've never trusted Christ, it won't end up in heaven. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God said, look, it's simple. It's simple. There's a God in heaven who loves you, but he's a holy God, and God can't let sin in his presence. And I have sin attached to my soul, and there's not a thing I can do about it. But he can. He can. He sent the Lord Jesus who died on the cross. And when he did, he shed his precious blood. And God said, if you'll accept what I did for you, then I'll make eternal life a gift. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth man, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're here today. You've never been saved. I want to encourage you to, excuse me, trust Christ and him alone this morning. Father, would you bless your word? 
Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to walk the way you want us to walk, in the direction you want us to walk, the way you want us to walk, in a way that pleases you from day to day. Father, I pray if there be one here today who's never trusted Christ as Savior, may this day be that day when they find him. We ask in 